Welcome back to The Chosen Life. I'm your host, The Chosen Lawyer. And today I have one of my best friends on, known this man for many, many years. Love to sit with him, have wings, talk sports. Mr. Wayne Frazier. Wayne, welcome to The Chosen Life. I am uh, very, very glad to be here, John. So we've known each other through the sports memorabilia world mostly, but you actually have a long, extensive history checking on LinkedIn there, uh, Wayne, as far as your life in sports, uh, reporting, uh, hosting, writing. Tell us more about how you came to be in your life in sports. Well, I, I grew up as uh, an athlete, although I don't look like it anymore. Uh, playing football and baseball, I'm originally from the St. Louis area on the Illinois side of the river. Uh, I was not a particularly good athlete. I was uh, determined and smart, and that's about all I had going for me. Uh, not very big and too not very big and not big enough for football, and too big for baseball and too slow. Um, had some offers to play in college, small colleges, and decided to just go to a big school and focus on. Uh, I eventually got into communications. Uh, did a lot of radio work and got into print more than that. I had always been a writer uh, throughout high school. And eventually, uh, I kind of drifted. I came to it, went to a different school. Uh, I never did finish college. I, I'm three, three credits away because the semester that I was supposed to finish I got an offer to be a sports editor at a, a really small newspaper, a twice weekly newspaper. And I thought I'm going to take this. Uh, before that I had spent four or five years basically doing all of the high school and collegiate broadcasting in the St. Louis area for charter cable uh, through a friend of mine. Um, lots of uh, hosting TV shows, uh, different sports topics, a little bit of political stuff, pretty frequent radio guest. Uh, and we were very lucky in that I got to work with guys. Uh, if you know sports writers at all, you know that if you host a TV show and you tell them they get free food and beer, uh, they'll show up no matter how small it is. And so we were really lucky that we got guys from the Sporting News, uh, all the major networks in St. Louis, uh, the Post-Dispatch. And I got to work with some, some pretty heavy hitters right off the bat when I was really young. And it really gave me a leg up in terms of kind of what I needed to do to be to move in that direction. And I never really had any huge desire to uh, go to a big newspaper. I ended up after a while moving out of sports and becoming a managing editor and then a publisher of a small newspaper. And the company I worked for kept telling me, well, we want you to move to the East Coast and take one of these bigger papers. And I said, you know, I don't really have any desire to work somewhere where I don't know what's on the front page the next day. You know, and the paper I was working at was a small weekly in Southern Indiana, where I basically was chief uh, cook and bottle washer. And I did everything. I did all the sports. I did all, all pretty much everything in the paper other than uh, sell the ads and, and type in the, the classifieds, right? But through all of that, I was involved in pro wrestling for a few years in the States for a show called Dr. X which uh, the short of that is uh, my friend said, and I don't want to denigrate wrestling fans, so don't be mad at me here. But my friend said, who was a big wrestling fan, and I, even though I'm from St. Louis and we had wrestling at the chase and I watched it, I was not a huge wrestling fan growing up. I, I honestly just didn't have time. But a couple of my friends were, and one of them was my friend at the uh, Charter Cable, Brian Ledford. And he went to Charter Cable and said, I would like to make a wrestling show. 
And they said, who is the target audience? And they, and he said, 12 year olds and rednecks. And he, and they said, that's our audience, go for it. So he created Dr. X and there was a, a place South Broadway athletic club in St. Louis down in Soulard in the French district. And they would have a show once a month. And we went there and started doing live show, not live, but taping live. And I created a character named Slim Hoss. And Slim was this guy who had been a wrestler his whole freaking life and beat everybody in the world, the master of a million holds and never got a title shot because I got screwed everywhere I went, right? Well, it just kind of grew to the point where we would have four or 500 people at one of these shows, which is pretty good for a small promotion. Not any big stars would come in, but they had their own stable of guys. And we got to the point where I was kind of like a Jerry King, a Jerry Lawler knockoff. And the guys, the kids, I had my own fan club that would show up with Burger King crowns and signs about Slim Hoss and Slim Hoss is a jerk or whatever. Right? And I did that for quite a while. I really enjoyed that. But I, when I left, I ended up going into um, to the writing side of it. I still do some broadcast occasionally, not a ton. Um, I don't write for about five or six years. I did a uh, NFL handicapping uh, website called uh, Hoser on the NFL. I still have that Twitter feed and I occasionally will post something up there, but I used to do it every week. And it was uh, in the top 10 of Yahoo for a while for NFL things. I was on a site called Draft Sharks, I think it was for a year or two. Um, other than that, you know, I've been a collector for a long time since I was a little kid. I had a couple of uh, card stores in the States that I had for a while and then sold when I was taking other jobs. And when I moved to Canada, uh, I couldn't work right away. And I was visiting a guy who had a card shop that was about the size of this desk. And he was miserable. He's a great guy. He's still a friend of mine. But every time I talked to him, this business stinks and blah, 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 blah. And finally, one day after about three months of this, I said, well, if it sucks so bad, why don't you sell it? Well, what idiot's going to buy the store? And I said, me. And he goes, you, why would you buy it? And I said, well, I've worked for you for a couple of days. And I think I can actually make this into something that is not going to drive me crazy the way it does you. And so he's, he said, I said, well, what do you want for everything? And he says, I don't know. And I said, well, I'm going to go get us a couple of coffees. You think about it. I came back and he says, here's the number. And he pushes it across at me. And I said, okay, are you, you sure you're good with this? And he goes, you'll give me that much. And I said, yeah. And I said, I'll be back in an hour. And he says, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to get the money. Get a, go get a check. So I went, got the check and I came back and I put it on the counter and I said, all right, get out from behind my counter, you miserable jerk. And I took the store over that day. Uh, I went home that night and my wife said, what'd you do today? And I said, I, I bought a card store. And she said, uh, and I said, well, whatever, you know? And so that was in 2005, I think. And then there have been a number of moves and a partner who was in and out since then. And now I have the store back on my own. Uh, and it, the only thing I can tell you, Jonathan, is it's hardly work. It's maddening sometimes. And, you know, people will come in and think they have million dollar cards and they don't. And you have to be the jerk who says, sorry, you know, your 1991 upper deck set is worth $5 instead of them saying, well, I bought it for a hundred. I'm like, well, yeah, lots of people bought uh, Nor Nortel stock too. And they don't own any of that anymore. Um, but I mean, it's just a, it's a great business to be in. It's a lot of fun and you, 
you, uh, you, you spend a lot of time just dealing with friends. Uh, they're not really, they're customers in a sense, but I always tell people, you know, you don't have to spend money every time you come in. Just come in and we'll talk about the Jays or the Leafs or something. And if you want to break something or look through the stuff, fine. And if you don't have a cup of coffee and sit down and, you know, which tells you how busy I am. Well, I we're going to be getting we're going to be getting into a lot of sports talk today because that's your uh, that's your ammo, my friend. Now, it's uh, I see the sign behind you, Doug Laurie Sports, uh, not Slim Haas Sports. <laughs> so why why Doug Laurie Sports and Auctions? So I, the store that I had originally went by a different name. And after the issues that I had with my partner and then former partner, I didn't feel comfortable using the old name going forward. And uh, I have a very good friend who is a mentor in the business who shall remain nameless, uh, but has done everything three times and succeeded at almost all of them. And I was telling him, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to get the store back, right? I'm getting all my stuff back, but I can't call it the old name. I don't want to call it something stupid like Card Corner. And I can't call it Wayne's Cards because there's already a huge Wayne's Cards out in Edmonton, Wayne Wagner. And he says, well, why don't you call it Doug Laurie Sports? And for those of you who are not familiar, Doug Laurie Sports is the store that used to be located at Maple Leaf Gardens in the 70s. And before that, it was in the late 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, it was on Front Street. And it was uh, the store that supplied the Maple Leafs with all their equipment. And if you wanted to buy a jersey, an NHL licensed jersey, it was the only place you could buy one in Toronto. Uh, Doug Laurie retired in the early 70s, and the Smythe family, Stafford and his kids, Ted, and I can't remember the other one's name, they ran it for about 20 years, and then it became Leaf Sport. So when my buddy says, well, you should call it Doug Laurie Sports, I said, well, how the hell am I going to get the rights to the name to Doug Laurie Sports? He says, I own it. Why? Why do you own that? He's like, well, I bought it from the family a long time ago to use it for like vintage frame stuff, and I'm not using it anymore. And I do lots of favors for this guy. I've written card backs for him for sets and things like that and helped him out with other things. And he said, so you can use it. And the great thing is we have a, there's not that many people who remember it. I mean, the store has been gone since the early nineties and the original incarnation of the store with Doug Laurie has been gone. Doug retired in the early seventies, but the people who remember it do remember it. Uh, we did, uh, an event with Don Cherry and he mentioned us on his podcast and said that he remembered getting his gloves from the one time he was in the Leafs training camp from Doug Laurie sports. Right. Um, but the neat thing about it is about a month or two ago, I got an email and it was from Doug Laurie's uh, daughter or granddaughter daughter. And I thought, Oh boy, this never goes well. You know, why are you using my dad's name or and everything? And instead, it turned out the family is thrilled that somebody is using the name respectfully. And we have a, you know, my friend Kevin Shea, who is uh, worked for the Hockey Hall of Fame for years and years, wrote me a nice biography of Doug. And we have it on our website. We had originally intended to convert part of the store into a, re a replica of the hot stove lounge. But of course, over the last couple of years with the shutdowns and everything, one, we did we weren't open. Well, we could only do curbside service. And two, you couldn't get anything anyway. So now I have a couple of chairs, original chairs, and a pot belly stove, but I don't know if we're able, we'll ever actually do that or not. But it was, you know, it's just cool to be tied to that part of the history, right? Um, and for the people who recognize it, they really get a kick out of it. 
except sometimes people come in and ask me that are you the real you're the original Doug Glory and I'm like uh Doug Glory would be like 110 now so no I know I look old but not that old and the other great thing is I only I have a guy who works a day or two a week for me helping me out and his name actually is Doug so people will call the store and say can I talk to Doug and I'm like well no but yes which Doug do you want to talk to well, I want to talk to Doug Glory well, you're going to need a crystal ball for that, you know, or to pray. But if you want to talk to Doug about wrestling stuff, well, then Doug's here. I can let you talk to Doug. Right? So, but I'm very happy with it. And, and uh, it's been really cool. It's just, it's really neat when somebody comes in and says, oh, I remember. Right. So. And that name was very, very familiar to me. I was trying to think in my, my, uh, the uh, banks of my mind of where I recognize the name and I know I've seen it and, Clearly I was, because back in the day when I was running around getting autographs back in the 90s, I would have been outside of Doug Laurie Sports. Now, Wayne, uh, you ever look back now, miss the days of wrestling uh, wrestling promotion, uh, writing, hosting sports? Does that ever itch ever come back to you? Or when you left it, you left it? No, I mean, it's still there. I, I, I Honestly, this morning, I'm standing in the shower, and that's probably too much information for people <laughs> who can see me on the show. But I'm standing in the shower and I was actually putting together in my head uh, the hoser on the NFL, um, kind of kind of doing some bits in my head to put it together. And I thought, you know, I really should get back to doing that. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, I just don't know. You know, I have so many other things going on. I have three kids at home and my lovely wife, Michelle, and the store. And we promote shows here and, you know. We just had uh, Anthony Corelli, Santino Morella in the store on Saturday, and we're talking about doing more stuff like that. We host autograph guests, and, and it's just kind of like I look at things now, and I think, okay, am I doing that for just me, or is it going to benefit anybody else? And I guess for people who read it and enjoyed it, I had a pretty big fan base, but I don't, you know, it's not going to really, unless somebody comes along and says, hey, we'll give you $1,000 a week to write that column, which they're not. Um then it really, I'd rather spend that time with my kids or, or doing whatever else I can do. Right. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I absolutely miss it. I still have a uh, video uh, from Dr. X that I watch every once in a while uh, when we were calling matches and things like that. And, and the one thing I should add about that is, so that just aired in at first, it just aired on the Illinois side of the river, which was an audience of about this much. Then it went into St. Louis and St. Louis is a much bigger audience. And then we started getting matches mailed to us from all around North America from these small promotions saying, could you call our matches if you were there? So we would take the best match from each of these small independent, you know, independent promotions and just do it in the, in the, uh, in the studio, uh, you know, and just act like we were there. And then we would put them all into a compilation show. So it seemed like we were everywhere all across North America when really we were just sitting in a, in a studio outside of St. Louis, right? But it ended up airing in several other big markets on the East Coast. And every once in a while, not anymore, but every once in a while for about 10 years after the show went off the air, I would get an email from somebody who saw the show and say, you're not that slim hoss that was on in like, yeah, I am. And, oh, are you still working anywhere or anything? I no, not involved in it anymore, but it was a lot of fun and what made it the most fun was just working with Brian 
uh, my television partner all the time and getting to meet some of the guys. I called one of Glenn Jacobs' very first professional matches when he was Angus King in a place called the Cornucopia Buffet uh, with about 200 people for Frank, Frank Reed's Heartland Championship Wrestling. And I can remember Glenn banging his head on the drop ceiling because it was so low. It was a restaurant, right? And I was so naive that it, I was getting ready to call it. And Frank walks over and hands me a sheet, a rundown sheet. And he's got some of the guys circled. And I turned to my partner and I said, what, what's, what are these circled for? And he goes, well, that's the winners. And I went, what? And then I thought, well, you moron, of course. They, you know, not to give it away, not to break kayfabe, right? But I was just like, I, I was just, it never even occurred to me that they would give you a sheet that kind of, so you could call the match a little more clearly, right? Um, you know, I got to work with Glenn later in the last, actually, event I did. Uh, we had a match with him when he was the new Diesel and Al Snow when he was Leaf Cassidy in a tag team match against Dancing Stevie Richards and the Blue Meanie uh, at a place called Wild Country in Collinsville, Illinois. We had about, was about 800 or 1,000 people there that night. It was a hell of a show, and that was the last one of those I ever did. Right? So, did you I do miss it. I do miss it. Did you suspect that Glenn Jacobs would go on to become Kane, Undertaker's brother, end up being a WWE Hall of Famer? Did you see greatness from Glenn Jacobs at a young age? I can't say that I would have looked at Glenn Jacobs and said, this guy's going to make it. Because at the time, I was so green in the business, I couldn't have told you. You might have. You might as well have asked me who's going to – here's 10 people who's going to be the best flamenco dancer down the road under these. I don't know. I don't think about flamenco dancing, right? Um, but Glenn, at that time, he was clearly big and he was actually very agile for being big. And from what Frank told me, he worked hard and he was a quick study. So that's, that's good, you know, and for Glenn to show up later on and to get to work with him again, briefly when he was the new diesel and stuff. I mean, that story is pretty nuts. I mean, the other kind of crazy story is I went to school college with Paul White. Um, Paul was a basketball player at Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. He originally started at Wichita State, which is really weird because they were in the Missouri Valley Conference. And that's why I went to Southern Illinois at Carbondale. And I was in a music minor there. So I played in the pep band. And at the tournament, he was playing for Wichita State. And I was riding him before the game. And I thought he was going to come up in the stands and beat the crap out of me. Right. And he was huge. He's, you know, some wrestlers, they pad the stats. Paul's seven foot one, and there's no doubt about it. He's a, he's huge, right? So then I switch schools, and I'm the sports editor there. And I go to the basketball practice one day, and as I'm walking up, I, I don't know any of these guys. All I can hear is thump, 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 thump. Like, man, somebody big's out there. And I go, and it's Paul. And Paul is transferred to, they're a D2 school, right? And I got to know Paul. We had classes together. He came to our house a couple of times. He, he could palm a microwave. Like seriously, just pick a microwave up, right? He would, it was like Andre. He'd put a beer in his hand and it looked like a like a an airplane bottle, right? But the dude, you could have kicked him and he wouldn't have he wouldn't have said boo. He was super quiet, crew cut, khakis, you know, would read the paper before class and his hands went halfway across the paper, like a full-size paper. And he would shoot three-pointers in practice. And I'm like, Paul, what are you shooting three-pointers? No, you're never going to get the ball out here. I like three-pointers. Clank, you know? 
he wasn't a very good basketball player. I'm sure Paul would tell you that. Well, then he, you know, he leaves. Brian and I are sitting in the studio one night putting something together. And I think it was WCW Dungeons, Dungeon of Doom. This guy with long hair and a big beard, kind of scruffy beard, comes out and he's screaming and yelling. And where the heck did they get this guy, right? And Brian looks at me and he goes, that's, that's Paul. And I said, Paul who? And he says, how many seven foot one Pauls do you know? And I was like, oh my God, it's Paul. And so Paul took off from there. But I mean, I don't have any contact with Paul or anymore or anything like that. But, you know, having seen him around for a year or two and, and having been, uh, you know, kind of an acquaintance of his, what I can say is he's a super nice guy and nobody in the world was more shocked than me to see him become a, a huge star in the WWE, not because he wouldn't have the athletic ability or anything like that, just because it just didn't seem to be his personality at all, right? But he turned out he was a pretty good actor. And apparently a really nice dude on top of it. Hey, if you get your own show on Disney, you must be pretty good, right? So must be a pretty nice guy. Which which of his gimmicks did you like the most? You know what? I would have to say I just enjoyed Paul the most when they let Paul just be Paul, right? When it wasn't, you know, early on, they were trying to make him into this big menacing guy. And he never was. Right. He just wasn't. It was like when it was like when the Boston Bruins tried to cho- turn Joe Thornton into Phil Esposito. Right. Phil Esposito was nasty and he would knock you on your butt and he would stand in front of the net and pucks would hit him and go in. And that was Phil Esposito. And then they got Joe Thornton in the draft. And Joe is I don't he's not a floater. Joe's a passer. Right. He's not a score first guy. He's not a rough and tumble guy. And they kept trying to put. Thornton in front of the net and turn him into Phil Esposito. And I was like, stop it. Stop trying to make Joe something he's not. And it was that with Paul, too. Having known Paul from the past, it was like, just let Paul be Paul. He doesn't need a gimmick or anything like that. Even when he tries to look mean, he doesn't look mean. He just looks like a big dude, and he smiles too damn much because he's a happy guy, right? So when they kind of let him work into that character of, yeah, he's a heel or whatever else, but he's not this over-the-top jerk. I always thought that was the best angle for him, right? And and the, honestly, the less you could, the less you showed of Paul wrestling, the better off you probably were, right? Because that's just that Paul's forte was not, you know, flying around the ring. Paul's no, forte. he was a choke he, slam guy. Yeah, that's about he it. Was, he was he was a, a big presence, and that's what Paul was, right? So, whereas Glenn Jacobs, you know, had to go through several gimmicks till they found one for him. But that fake Diesel almost destroyed his career. It was uh, people were so upset over Diesel leaving uh, with Razor and then having fake Razor, fake Diesel. It's amazing he came back from it. Considering his gimmick before, you recall the evil dentist, Isaac Yankum? Oh, Isaac Yankum, DDS. I mean, to me, that's one of my top five favorite gimmicks of all time. I, I, nothing will ever top Doink. Okay, Doink is the greatest gimmick in the history of the world. Mankind is mix. Mankind is right up there. That's a great angle. Um, I'm a huge IRS fan. Um, er, you know, Erwin R. Scheister, again, top, top five. Money Inc. with Teddy Biasi. Yeah. And, and you know what, but I really, Glenn sold that, that character really, really well. It was just a stupid idea, but it's a, it's a, it turned out. Okay. 
because yes. Glenn worked it so hard, but so dumb. You know, like you and I were talking, I think we talked briefly, or no, was it you or was it my buddy? I live, like a month ago, my wife was away at a retreat, mm-hmm. or she took the kids out or something, and I watched the 92 Royal Rumble, and I kind of live Facebooked it, right? The Repo Man? Who thinks of this kind of, that was, and it was so dumb, right? But fabulous. I know, fabulous. And, it, and it worked, but it's just like, I mean... Who sits there and thinks, yeah, this is a great idea? Yeah, well, the Repo Man. People will definitely. I mean, I guess he's a great villain, but I, I don't know. I I know from talking with a few guys in the business, sometimes you get hooked into a bad character and you just get stuck. Go right? back and I don't know know if you remember this character or not, but uh, William Regal at one point was Stephen Regal, mm-hmm. and he was the real man's man character. Oh yes, yes. For about yep. three months, and they even had a theme song <laughs> and the music video, and he was doing construction, chopping down trees, shaving his beard with the with the blade, <laughs> squeezing oranges with his hands. Horrible, but amazing. That's wrestling for you. But I think I think what makes it work is do you have a guy who is either crazy or so committed to the business that no matter what you give him. He's going to try to make that work as best he can, right? Regal's amazing. Like, that guy is incredible and so underrated, right? Um, But, you know, for every, you look at all the other gimmicks that didn't work for people and you think, you know, a few of them were so over the top, absolutely awful that, yeah, nobody could pull that off, right? But some of the other ones, you know, you think this worked not because it was a good idea, but it worked because this guy just really wanted the business. You know, Anthony, when we were talking about his being pulled out of the crowd in Milan, and I don't want to spoil any of that because hopefully I'll be able to set you up and and Santino can come on here and you guys can talk about it yourselves. And but get me story, into that wrestling school there. That's right, right. Um, the uh, the the story behind how that happened and a little bit of a little bit more of that. Hopefully, like I said, I won't spoil that, <laughs> but it's a pretty incredible story, right? And there are so many stories like that from guys and not just guys that you think of like big names or whatever else, you know, I'm still friends with some of the guys that I called 30 years ago in St. Louis and they're in their mid fifties now. And they're still active, you know, they're human wrecking ball, Pete Madden. I mean, I don't think he's wrestling much anymore, but I mean, that guy was nuts and it was in a small, I mean, I saw him break his ankle in a chair, a chair shot where he got caught in the chair and he wrestled with a broken ankle. Right. I mean, guys are just, those guys are committed. They're so committed. It's pretty amazing, right? So, What's actually very funny about all this is when we put together this episode, and I've known Wayne for the amount of years I've known him, I had no idea about Skinny Hoss. I had no idea about the wrestling (laughs) calling. I am a huge wrestling fan. I've been a wrestling fan since I was like five or six, and uh, I could have made an episode just on that, and we'll talk about it more in the future, Wayne, because this is amazing to not know about Glenn Jacobs, Paul White, uh, you're just a lifelong sports guy and sports just seems to follow you, my friend. Wow. Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, knowing that you're such a big wrestling fan and everything, but my, my knowledge of, of wrestling <clears throat> is only about that deep, right? Because I wasn't into it when I was young, then I was into it because I was involved in it. And then I wasn't into it anymore. Right. I still watch occasionally, but I'm more likely to go back and watch like that, that Royal rumble and spoiler alert worst ending ever like that was so terrible the only great thing about that one 
is at the very end. Uh, can I say who won the Royal Rumble? I don't. I everybody should please, know, right? So that's the year do, that Flair. Do. That's the year that Flair won, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the match <laughs> afterwards, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Flair, and I can't remember who the third guy is standing there, and Mean Gene is interviewing him, and they're taking turns yelling into the mic. But just before he gets started, Gene turns around off camera to somebody and he goes, "Hey, put that cigarette out." Like, how does that happen on a broadcast? That's why I love wrestling. You just don't really know. As much as it's a work, you don't really know what's going to happen. You just don't. Because something weird could happen. Somebody could go off and do whatever the hell they're, they think they're just going to, this is the night I'm going to screw everybody in the promotion or whatever. And it encapsulates that perfectly. The gene just, is somebody really off camera lighting up a cigarette? And it, it senses Gene so much that he stops an interview with Ric Flair after he just won the Royal Rumble to yell at the guy to put the cigarette out. Or was that planned? I don't know. I don't know why you would plan it, but it's such a funny moment. And it's so odd that it it's almost like, okay, so that has to be planned. But it couldn't have been planned. Why would you do that? Right? It's a world of wrestling. You never know. The same way in AEW, CM Punk was stripped of his title. He's injured. Guys were suspended. There was a whole melee. Was that a work? Was that a going on or is that real heat we'll never know it's that's why it's the wonderful world of wrestling i didn't have the buff bagwell set out i brought the steve carsey set out for you because i know you're a memorabilia guy and we got steve's jersey from his last season with the brewers as a coach plus the hat all from the same season and the steve carsey rookie card let's 91, test the- 91 upper deck i was just gonna say let's test wayne's uh sports knowledge here wayne what is odd about the steve carsey rookie card do you recall well, it doesn't have any dirty words on the bat knob. That's Billy Ripken. Correct. That is not uh, the uh, the F face card. No. Yes, it is one of the four different variations of that. I'm gonna. I, I I'm never... gonna make it. I'm gonna make a guess mm-hmm. and say, isn't Steve left-handed? Steve is right-handed. Okay. So what, what is am I all... thinking of then? What is odd about that card, which Steve has pointed out to me the first time I had it out? Steve is wearing a home jersey and his away pants. He's wearing oh. pants <laughs> in the card, and so do you actually see it? And you because I'm I look. Now at that I'm card, gonna have to go dig one of those out and look right, and yeah. then go take a look at it, and then you'll never stop looking at it every time you see it after that. But today, Wayne, we're gonna look at wonderful world of sports. We're talking about. Stuff, whether it's real or fake in wrestling, let's talk about in real life sports and what the heck is going on. And there's so much happening in every sport. So we're going to touch upon as many sports as we can today. First of all, the wonderful world of the NFL and Mr. Tom Brady, the GOAT. Gotta say, how can you not say now the greatest of all time and still going? Yeah. And I, I have to say too that I, I'm, I hate the Patriots. I, I, I don't. That's the wrong word. I don't hate anybody, right? But I dislike the Patriots. Um, And yet, at some point, you had to admit, even before Brady won the last one with Tampa Bay, right, that he's the best quarterback of all time. And Bill Belichick is the best football coach of all time and might be the best coach of any in any sport, anytime, anywhere, right? His ability to get that, what I got out of that roster – Look, Tom Brady is not, not the best physical specimen. He's not the best quarterback in terms of what you would say is 
Todd Marinovich or, you know, uh, the prototypical body of a quarterback. He's uh, just the best guy in that system. And he's the, and they work together, even if they didn't get along all the time. Right. I, I like watch. I just love watching the guy play because he just does things even now at 45 years old that you think, I don't think anybody else in the NFL could have done that. I don't think he, they could have dropped that pass in there. I don't think they could have looked the guy off here so successfully. And even if it's a five yard gain, it would have been a sack to somebody else, or it would have been an incompletion. He just, people, people talk about how you think the game, right? No matter what it is in your life, how do you think what you're doing? And I don't think anybody thinks football better than Tom Brady does. Remember Wally Pip? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, his name in football was Drew Bledsoe. So <laughs> the Golden well, Boy, the Golden Boy. Wally, Pip, Wally Pip sat out because he had a headache. Drew Bledsoe sat out because his spleen got shoved up into his neck, right? So <laughs> I feel bad. And people don't realize that when Bledsoe left, and he had a great career after that. Bledsoe was a hell of a quarterback, right? I don't think people realize now, too, especially really like people who are, say, 30 and under, right? They don't realize that nobody knew who the hell, the hell Tom Brady was. Like, he wasn't even probably – people didn't think he was going to get drafted necessarily. He was right? not a first-round pick, sixth, that's for sure. Sixth-round pick, I think, out of Michigan. He didn't even start until his senior year, right? He wasn't anything amazing, and yet the scouting for the Patriots said, this guy has potential, and he'll fit the system that we want to have. The weird thing is, is that actually Bledsoe was not that kind of quarterback. He was more of a, you know – let it fly kind of quarterback. Mm -hmm. And that's when things turn. I mean, being from St. Louis, I feel terrible for Trent Green. He had this amazing offense and then he gets hurt and here comes Kurt Warner. And all of a sudden, Kurt Warner is the beneficiary of the system, right? Would Trent Green have won as much as, as I don't know. We won't ever know that, right? I, but I get the feeling that probably the Patriots would not have been what they were staying with blood. So just because he wasn't the same kind of quarterback, right? Well, Bill Belichick will agree with you. I'm sure that he is the greatest coach of all time. Tom Brady would agree with you that he is the greatest quarterback of all time. And Giselle would agree with you as well. I'm, I have no doubt. And, you know, considering everything that's happened in the offseason, there was talk that he was going to the Dolphins, part owner, stuff came around, he retired, he re unretired, then he comes back and preseason, got to go take a vacation. What the heck is going on with this guy? I mean, is he basically at the point they're saying, you're Tom Brady, buddy, here's the keys to the kingdom. Do as you need to do. No so, questions asked. I don't understand how anybody could be mad with Giselle here. Okay. Tom's 45 now. He's got two kids, two boys that are in the house. They're not grown or anything. He's got a third with, I think the lady's name is Michelle Moynihan. I, I don't 100% remember. Giselle gave up her career. I mean, we got to remember Giselle is probably worth more than Tom is, right. right? Yes. Gave up her career modeling. I don't know how much of a career I view that as, but, but that's who she was, right? So, and it sounds like Tom told her, this is the last year. And then he said, I'm done. And she says, great. You can be home with the boys now and everything else. And a month later, I changed my mind. I don't care if you're Tom Brady or Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr or Tom the plumber. 
when you tell your wife something and then you go back on your word for what looks like nothing but selfish reasons, she's going to be mad. And I, I don't understand. People are like, well, I don't understand why Giselle's mad. Well, you go tell your wife something and then completely reverse directions and for selfish reasons and see if she's the, oh, that's fine, honey, whatever. She might tell you that. At least Giselle's being upfront about it, right? I, I, I don't understand. I look. I'm not a. I'm not Tom Brady. I'm not a high level athlete. All I can say is I would think that nobody wants to give up until they're forced out, right? And Tom clearly still has the ability to play at a very high level, but at some point, what is your first responsibility? Is your first responsibility to the Buccaneers, or is it to your family? And the promises you made to them. And so I kind of wish Tom would have just said, you know what, honey, you're right. I'll, I'll stay home and cook eggs and sweep the floor. None of that's happening. Come on, we know, right? It's not like he was going to stay home and be bored. On that, um, on that token, though, it's not that Tom is going off to the woods and saying, I'm going to be in a cabin with no reception. I'll see you in eight months. Right. Uh, the season, as it is, you got the preseason, which whatever amount he played. Uh, how many games now are in the NFL season? 16? 17. 17 now, plus the playoffs, which they're probably going to make. But that being said, there's enough time to be at home as well. I know he's got to go watch footage and practice, etc. This is why the good Lord invented something called diamonds and <laughs> carrots. And there's ways to fix this stuff. But it, there's a lot of talk on social media do you take Giselle or do you take the starting quarterback job in the NFL? Um, I'm, not so, I'm not so much. I'm not. I'm not so much upset about him saying I'm. I'm going to go back because Giselle wants him home. I'm upset because he's got two boys, mm -hmm. and those boys have. I can't imagine spent tons of time with their dad while he's been an NFL quarterback. And you're now 45 years old and you've done everything you can do. And you made a promise to your wife and your family that you were done. And now I'm going to go play football again. Look, I understand that, you know, I can't just quit my job and say, I'm going to stay home with my three kids because I don't have $500 million in the bank. Tom and Giselle do. Yes. So what's your priority? Is your priority to be a dad or is it to be the quarterback of the Buccaneers? I'm not saying Tom Brady's a bad dad. I'm just saying he certainly has the ability to step away from what he's doing and spend more time being a dad. My, so my, to me, that's, 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 that's where I look at it. And I think, man, if you gave me the opportunity, if I won the lottery and I won $50 million, would I close the store? No, I probably wouldn't close the store, but I would definitely hire somebody else to run it. And I would spend more time with my family. Right. So I, I look at somebody who has the opportunity to do that and doesn't. And I kind of think, I don't know. And I'm sure Giselle, maybe that's the angle she's looking at it from, too. It's a really hard thing as an athlete with the competitive juices. You know, I just wrote an article about this yesterday. But Albert Pujols, you know, finding a fountain of youth. You know, you're talking about the St. Louis days and what he's doing right now. And he said this is his last season. He's done. And he's, he's, he's setting records. He's probably going to hit his 700th very soon. And, um, you know, I, I think he'll look back. He may consider another year. Like it's when you're at, at the top of your game, you don't want to ever look back and say, what if, what did I, what could I have done more? You know, at that point, you're playing it strictly for the love of the game. There's no other reason, not playing right. it for a paycheck at that point. 
So I can kind of see it from Tom's point of view as well. Plus, we don't live in Tom and uh, Giselle's bed. So we don't know how much discussion there was. Maybe she was more inside with it than people know. But it's, it's amazing how people speculate. You know, now they're living separate lives in separate houses. They're on the outs. The media loves this. They absolutely yeah. love it. And I love it. They give us a lot of discussion and talk. But well, and I, hell, I guarantee you the NFL wants you to talk about Tom and Giselle more than they want you to talk about Deshaun Watson. We're not going there. <laughs> Certain places we're going. We're not going to Deshaun. The same way I was going to say that, you know, when it comes to uh, Giselle getting upset, it's not a question that he went to Colorado for some massages and uh, had to buy a pink diamond, Kobe, but we will not right. go there either. Uh, another guy uh, interesting in the news all time, and I'm kind of getting sick of him, is Aaron Rodgers. What's his What's his girlfriend's name? Like, No, they unit. broke up. Oh, the moon unit Zappa or something like that. What's, I, I, what, I uh, she, what, I don't it was know, at Burning no. Man. I know that. And I think, uh, all right, okay. Shayna Burgess? Shayna Burgess. Is that her name? Okay. Well, sure, we'll go had, with that. She had some sort of weird, like, moon rising something or other, like, that they were referring to her in the articles. And I thought, what the? He was with Danica this? Patrick. Come on. Race car driver, wholesome country girl. Why could Aaron and Danica not make it? Come on. Uh, calling Danica Patrick a race car driver is a bit of a stretch. Hey, now. Hey, now. It wasn't very good. You know what? <laughs> we got to start somewhere. And she's not hard on the eyes. And no, she no, did the best not. she could. And she looked great in her outfits. And she did a lot for race car driving in general and to bring up the sport and bring it gender friendly. So thumbs up to Danica Patrick. But I really thought her and Aaron Rodgers were going to make it. Now Aaron is just bouncing around, you know, talking about his status as far as vaccinations go and then his relationships. I just wish Aaron Rodgers would just shut up and play. Like, honestly, you're getting paid well, maybe, $40 million a year. Maybe maybe the maybe the, the issue here, too, is we, we keep seeing that Aaron doesn't stay with the same woman. He has problems with his teammates and his problems with his coaches, and he has problems with the ownership. Well, what's the common denominator and all that stuff? Sounds Aaron like it's Rogers. Aaron Rodgers, right? So I, I look I, again. I like to watch Aaron Rodgers play. I don't. I don't really have anything against Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, I just kind of feel like at some point when there's drama around you all the time, you're probably the cause of the drama. So they maybe drafted, just... they drafted another quarterback. Now his feelings are hurt. <laughs> if we had Aaron Rodgers on the show, I would say Aaron. I'd like to know the amount of meditation and yoga that you're doing right now in your life, because I think you're going to need it. I think, Aaron, you're looking for a lot of love from other people, but you'll never get that love if you don't have that inner love for yourself. So I think Aaron Rodgers needs to look for some inner love first, and then he'll be able to give love to others. I don't know. They drafted Jordan Love, and that love didn't help him at all. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> Moving on to the world of MLB baseball. This one has kind of gone a little bit quiet, but uh, I'm still very upset about it. Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr. San Diego Padres, they go and get a whole bunch of guys, including Soto. They basically are making the run for it. And he is now done for the season, not because of his injuries, but because he ingested a banned substance. And he said it was due to a haircut infection. So he goes and gets a haircut. It's infected. Takes some substances. Don't double check it. Apparently it's on the ban list. And now he is done for the year and screwed his team. What do you think of Fernando? 
You know how we were just talking a few minutes ago? Well, first off, you're an idiot. Not you. Me? Satis. Satis. Yes, yes, thank you. And I'm, I, I, I watched Satis Sr. with the Cardinals when he had his two grand slams in one inning and all that good stuff, right? Fernando always seemed like a, a good guy, right? But remember we were talking about me and Gene stopping the interview and saying, hey, put out that cigarette, right? And it seemed too crazy to be made up, but maybe it was, right? Well, the explanation that they gave for how he tested positive, it seems like it's too crazy to be made up, but it's made up, right? And I don't know if you read the John Heyman piece in the post a few days after that, right? But there's there's Clobistol, which is the, the steroid, and there's a skin treatment called Clobetasol which is what you take for ringworm and eczema and stuff like that. And Heyman's theory is that one of Tatis's lawyers or PR guys said, well, we'll tell people that he took this medication that has clobetasol in it, but people will think it's clobestol, right? That seems a lot more plausible to me than I got ringworm and tested positive because I took something that isn't, you would have to have a uh, prescription. You'd have to have a, for either one. And we were not shown any of that, right? So I think the whole thing is a load of crap. I think Tatis just got caught doing something he shouldn't have been doing. And what I really hope, not particularly a Padres fan, and, and I, if they were in the World Series against the Jays, I clearly would root for the Jays. Or if they were playing the Cardinals, I would root for the Cardinals. I really hope maybe the Padres win the World Series without Tatis just as a screw you to him. We didn't need you, you self-centered jerk. Because I, I don't know how you ever come back. How do you come back from this and your teammates ever trust you? Like, what in the world did you need to do this for? You know what? Uh, he's got 500 million reasons or whatever contract he has uh, to keep him warm at night. And steak dinners... If they win the World Series, you're the lawyer. They win the World Series. Is there an out in that contract that the Padres can void it because he got suspended and broke the rules of MLB? Guarantee you there is not because the union there is pretty strong and I've not seen the contract. And you're thinking of the Washington Nationals when they won it without Bryce Harper, but this is not going to happen. Who is going to celebrate the World Series this year? And mark my words, it is going to be the St. Louis Cardinals. And your city is going to be celebrating because they have all the magic this year. Montgomery's probably going to win the uh, the clinching game. Pools is going to have some postseason home runs. I see very good things right now for the Cardinals. Do not see it for the Padres in the slightest. And another guy who did not take a banned substance, but a related infection, was Mr. Aroldis Chapman. And so you're already not pitching so great this year. Your team is on top. You're doing great. What's a really good idea in the uh, stretch of the postseason to do? Let's go get a tattoo. Let's go get a tattoo on our leg and let's get it infected and let's get ourselves on the injured reserve. Uh, brilliant move, you think? I like what, what Aaron Boone said about this. He said, and this is the way I am too, I, I don't have any tattoos. I don't even like to get, when I get a Sharpie or a pin mark on my hand, I go wash my hands. I don't like it, right? Yeah. But other people want to do it. You do whatever you want to do, right? But where did he get the tattoo done? Like, was it in a back alley behind the stadium or what? I mean, 
And and yes, it's not very smart. And you know, maybe this is a crazy thought for all this. The off season. How about get it done during the off season? Like, what was so pressing that he had to have a tattoo on his leg immediately? His girlfriend's phone number, his own phone number. You know, I don't know the number of millions of dollars he had on his contract in the years remaining. I don't know what would have been so important that you had to do it right then. But I also think this is such a fluke. We probably, you know, I would guess a hundred players a year get a tattoo during the season and nothing ever happens. Right. But I will be curious to see now if you see put into contracts, you cannot, like you can't, they used to say to who the hell was it that had in his, was it Tug McGraw? That he couldn't ride motorcycles during the season. They all have that now, right? Yeah, the guy's yeah. like, yeah, right. Yeah. Are they going to add that into contracts? Because whether it only happens once in 10 years or whatever, it's still a stupid thing to do during the season. Wayne, if you're, Wayne if you're paying me $15 million a year, you know what I'm doing after the game? I'm getting myself wrapped in bubble wrap. I'm getting myself <laughs> delicately placed into the limo, driven straight home. All my 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 house is in padding. And I'm staying safe during the season. That's what I'm doing because I'm going to protect my body and I'm going to protect the team. I'm not going to stick needles and get infected with the tattoos during the season. I agree with you. There's a million, there's a long time in the off season. What was the guy? And, and on top of it, he wasn't pitching that great period. And yes. they were on top of baseball at that point, And that's something they did not need. Another team on top of baseball with something they don't need is a starting pitcher that's been off indefinitely, Mr. Trevor Bauer. Remember him? Yes. I. So I haven't followed that story that closely. I read a little bit about it over the past couple of days because I knew we were probably going to talk about this. <laughs> and as it sits right now, he's suspended for two years has not been charged with anything. Right. Proclaims his innocence. Yes. And is suing the woman and the several media outlets for defamation. And, and he she is and she sued, and she's suing and he him is back. Being sued in turn, right? Yes. Why is he suspended? Baseball has powers godlike, in fact. Same thing with the NFL, the NBA, where they can go and they can just suspend you, do whatever they want based on any of their own investigations, even if the court system finds different. Um, so regardless of his innocence or guilt at this point, obviously, I think the Dodgers are probably a little irritated. I think it was a dumb move to sign him regardless. I know his numbers are video game-like when he's healthy, but man, his personality, don't know if I want that in my clubhouse. Right. And I guarantee you that if he got unsuspended and he walked into that clubhouse now and said, hey, boys, I'm ready to pitch, I don't think his teammates would be that excited to see him. Yeah, probably not. I just – and I understand the powers that baseball has, but I also – I'm not a big fan of, well, we're going to suspend this guy for two years, but we're not going to say why. We're not going to release any information. We're just going to say we found something. Sounds like guilty okay. until proven well, innocent yeah, to me. That's, ex that's exactly what I don't like. I don't want to say that I condone anything that Trevor Bauer, I don't have any information one way or the other. I am just a big believer in being innocent until you're proved guilty. And I don't know how you give, you know, let, let's say that Trevor Bauer is cleared of all this. Um, how does Trevor Bauer get those two years back? 
Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I think he's still getting paid though. If well, I'm, I'm sure he's getting paid, but he doesn't yes. get the two years of his pitching career back, right? Well, I, this, I just, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of that. You're gonna, and plus two years, like we don't, we don't give anybody two years, and you know, so he clearly either shoves somebody out of a 30th floor window or something else, but it's not like there's this huge groundswell and i won't bring the the quarterback's name up again there's this huge groundswell of people making charges against him it's apparently it sounds like one person right so So what the hell happened that it's a two-year suspension that nobody will say what what the deal is right i i just it's kind of he's is he actually buffalo bill in another life and he has this woman in a well or something or i just i don't want to sound insensitive i just don't understand why in this case it's two years with no information whatsoever. I don't get it. I would really like him to have a proceeding and get it adjudicated properly. And then from there, either convict or not, not just make them. I think because it's much easier to just make them go away. This is not right. something good. It's a good, not a good look for us. Getting rid of, rid of him is a very good look for us. Right. But now you have Trevor Bauer going to recruit college athletes to promote his clothing line. <laughs> so my question to you is, what college athlete in his right or her mind would want to be wearing Bauer outage clothing with Bauer having all this legalities hanging over his head? I like that it's called an NIL deal because that's probably the benefit that college athletes would get from tying themselves to Trevor Bauer. Nil. There's no nothing there you're going to get that's going to be positive for you down the road. Unless you think I'm a college athlete that has no future uh, as a professional athlete to make money. And maybe I can make some money promoting this stuff. Right. Although my understanding of it is it said you could make money, but it said that they would get free merchandise. Yes. As opposed to, so what are you supposed to do? They're going to send you a hundred hoodies and then you go to the flea market and sell them off afterwards to get your dough or what I like, are you selling them on eBay? No, no, it's very simple. (laughs) They send you the free hoodies. You're taking a bunch of pictures, you're sharing it on your social media, and you're tagging people. That's what you're doing. You're influencing Bowers merchandise. Now, I could tell you, if Trevor gave me a call and said, hey, Chosen Life, I'd love to come on and tell my side of the story. Trevor, come on in. Love sure. to talk to you. No problem. 100%. If Trevor says to me, can you put my jersey on the back of your set and have <laughs> me on each of your episodes? Probably not going to have it. No matter how many hoodies he's going to send me, I would be saying respectfully, I would decline that. Yeah, I don't think that's somebody. I don't think that's somebody you really want to tie yourself to in a business sense. You yeah. certainly could give the guy a platform to come on, and that's that. Okay, you, you might get canceled for that, right? For saying, "Oh, why would you bring Trevor Bauer on?" Well, I don't know. Have we heard this that side of the story from any? From has anybody else had Trevor Bauer on and given him a platform to talk? I don't know. I, don't know, I don't don't know if he it. wants to talk. Yeah, but that's and, it. I don't know whether he wants to talk. And right? if he does, I would tell him I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to be asking you some hard questions. I don't know if you're going to like it very much, Mr. Bauer. So that's where I don't see him. And I've been trying to dig up John Rocker, actually, mm-hmm. because, you know, he was traded with Carse in that big trade with the Braves and Indians. Uh, he's kind of hiding under a rock right now. You <laughs> can't really find John Rocker. I went and read the subway in New York City, did not see him there. <laughs> So not really sure I can find these guys. But speaking of New York City and Brooklyn, uh, speeding off to the NBA, the one team I got to bring up, which 
is anybody else like deluding themselves into this shit show called the Brooklyn Nets? Like, my God, <laughs> like, seriously, like we got KD, you know, we got Kyrie, we got Ben Simmons, like, oh, it's going to be a long year there. I can't see anything good coming out of this. You? I think we've sort of lost the track in what makes good teams, right? There are occasions where you can throw together the three most talented people and they get along. And there are enough basketballs to share or pucks to share or whatever else, right? But that's pretty rare. It's not very often that you go back and you look and think, if you look at the team that is clearly the most talented team, in basketball, I would say it happens more than it happens in any other sport because basketball is, has become such an individual sport, right? Right. But if you have three guys that are all kind of head cases and all seem to be me first, you second, or maybe me again, and then you third, I don't know how you, how do, how do you hope to build that into a winner, right? Plus, I guess as long as you win once, it doesn't make any difference, right? Then oh, we won the title, right? But I kind of thought when I first moved here, like around 2005 or 2006, I was driving home one night. I lived in Richmond Hill at the time. And I was listening to the fan. And they were talking about, it was the end of the season. And they were talking about close to the end of the season. It was the trade deadline for the Leafs. And all we, oh, if we go out and pick up this guy or that guy, we can get into the playoffs. And I don't ever do this, especially as somebody used to host talk shows, because I don't want to listen to people call in because most of the people who call in are morons. I pulled over at a rest stop and I called in and they put me on. And I said, so I have a question because I just moved here. Do you guys not ever want to win the Stanley Cup? And the guy was like, I think it was actually Sid Six Arrows, but he was like, what? And I was like, so you want to trade away a first-round draft pick and a prospect to get some old dude who might get you into the playoffs so you get your ass handed to you in the first round? Welcome to Toronto, Wade. How does that help you? You made the playoffs for two games and got, it got swept. Maybe you get lucky and you run all the way to the second or third round. Maybe you pull an Edmonton that year and go all the way to the finals. And then you're no good again. When are you going to build a culture, right? And people called in after that and they said, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And I was like, 15, 20 years on, I, I'm pretty sure I knew what I was talking about. You know, you eventually you have to worry about team culture and team building, um, which is exactly why probably the Dodgers don't want Trevor Bauer back in the locker room right now, right? Shouldn't have wanted him there in the first place. Right. So you have all these great, amazing players, but if they can't share the ball and if they can't understand that somebody's going to have to take a secondary role, you're just going to fight all year long amongst yourselves and it's you're going to be bad. You're just not going to be very good. You might make the playoffs on the sheer talent that you have, but I think somebody else is going to be better than you in, in a seven-game series and, and with a good team, right? I had a ton of people on social media harping on me and my partner, David Corman, when we had our, one of our last episodes. We were talking about KD and talking about why the Raptors will be a good team without KD. And there is no reason to rip apart this team for KD. And 
Scotty Barnes, Rookie of the Year, plus, 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 plus mm-hmm. that it would take. So you're going to rip out the heart and soul of your team. You're going to bring a guy, older, injured, malcontent. This can only go badly. This will not go well. And we're saying, you know what? He is a good player. And if he was healthy and if he had his head on straight, by all means, great. Add him on as an extra piece. Bring him on on like a, you know, whatever contract. But to actually rip, gut out your team for him, I think we're better off with what we got than having him. And people were losing their minds on us. Look, I, I 100% understand. If you think Kevin Durant is going to win you a title, even after you give away all, all that stuff, Scotty Barnes and whatever else has to go see Ackham or whatever. And I'm not married to any individual player on the Raptors roster, right? I have a lot of faith in Nick Nurse and his coaching staff. I have a lot of faith in Masai Ujiri. That faith tells me that unless Masai Ujiri can absolutely pull one over on the Nets, if you can get Kevin Durant for a stupidly low number, or stupidly low return, okay, I'm I'm willing to take that take that shot, right? But aside from that, no, like I don't even want to give a decent return for him because I don't think I don't think he's good for the team, and he's not Nick Nurse's kind of guy. He's not Masai Ujiri's kind of guy. I just wonder how much of this has just been. You remember we were talking. I was talking about this with somebody the other day when you Darvish was coming over from the Japanese league, yes, right? Yes, And everybody was in on you, Darvish. Yes. And the Blue Jays said, oh, yeah, we're in, we're in, we're in. And it turned out they were $40 million below the winning off. But for a long time, Jays fans were like, hey, look at the effort they're making. They're in on you, Darvish, right? I wonder how much of this is just, they don't have any interest in Kevin Durant unless they hand him to him. But why not just let, you know, I don't see... Ujiri and Nurse saying much about it, but every time I open up an app, there's a story in there about, oh, here's the possible trade for Kevin Durant. Dude, unless it comes from Masai or Nick or somebody like that, it's just hot air, right? It's people filling time. And I I just can't see that, like I said, unless it's an absolute steal for the Raptors. And even then, I think you really have to think about it. Look, the way no. Masai operates, also, he's not going to tell you. It's You're no. going to find out about it when it's done. Yep. And he keeps it close to his vest, and that's called being a smart GM slash president, which he is now. And uh, finishing off on basketball, uh, depending on how well Doug Laurie Sports is doing, can you spare some cash from A-Rod? Because A-Rod needs a couple of uh, zeros to be able to close off on the Minnesota Timberwolves, his purchase there with his business partner. Uh, how are you feeling for A-Rod? Do you feel the pain? He lost J-Lo. He might lose uh, his Timberwolves interest. Not looking great for and no Hall of Fame. Like, what's going on with A-Rod? He must have spent a lot of money on Madonna. That's that's what I'm thinking, right? Madonna must have been really expensive as a girlfriend. Him and, and J-Lo too, right? I, I, I'm not an A-Rod fan. And I don't, honestly, I don't care about the steroids. I really don't. Um, Because baseball didn't. And if the base, if baseball didn't give a crap about it, why should I give a crap about it either? It's cheating and it's unfair, but I'm not going to be super crazy about that. I'm still, I'm still more upset with A-Rod, one, just because he seemed like a knob. But two, when, when he yelled at the third baseman for the Jays when he ran by, I can't remember what that guy's name, but he had just come up, right? 
and you could tell even in the lo- even in the dugout in the locker room afterwards, the Yankees were like, "Yeah, well, I don't really know what happened there. He's a son of a bitch, you know." And nobody liked the guy, right? Uh, so, I think also when he uh, started to speak poorly about Jeter, I don't think that was a good look for him at all. Yeah. So let me ask not. you this, Wayne. I mean, you've been around the world. You've been in the sporting world your whole life. You love baseball. Have you ever met anybody who stood up and said, man, I'm a huge A-Rod fan? I've never met somebody. I used to have a couple of guys who collected yeah. A-Rod cards. That's that. No, those they, are, those and, are A-Rod prospectors. And they, and they, and they, and after a while, I, I stopped hearing from them because I just think they thought I don't want to root for this guy right you know people who I would think that people who would confess to being A-Rod fans I would look at them almost like oh you're a huge Sean Avery fan really how's he doing like, by the way I don't know he's uh, in he's, he's in court right now uh I'm I trying to I think it was that he was riding his bike or he hit or he was driving his car and he's fighting some, somebody on a bike or something like that and they're now in court over that Sean Avery's keeping busy with his stuff. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what? If I was A-Rod, I, I, I wish I, the trade to the Red Sox would have happened. I think that would have been a much better look for him. Right. I think the Yankees was just too big of a market with too many superstars, and his ego was bruised. And I think in Boston, I think he would have had a much better fit, my gut feeling. Or just stayed in Texas and collected his right. dough. Uh, or if he could have just stayed... You know what? If him and Griffey could have stayed in Seattle, but that was never going to happen. So... I, I, I don't know what A-Rod's net worth is. Apparently, it's probably, I mean, it's not as big as people were thinking it it's was. It's tied up. It's tied up in a lot of investments right now. Right. And he can't free it up completely to be able to go and finish off this purchase. But apparently, his partner may help him cover. along with it. Yeah, so he's there's no word yet that he's like, out. Yeah. But apparently, he's struggling with the dose. So we wish A-Rod well with that. Maybe he's got to go sell some more memorabilia to make that happen. <laughs> uh, one topic I wanted to bring up on the NHL front uh, are we going to have a new all-time goals leader? What do you think? You seeing Ovechkin going to pass Gretzky? Yes. I, I think it's going to happen. He's 115 goals away. He's 36 years old. If you'd asked me two or three years ago, I would have said, I think the chances are less than 50%. Yes. But I think he, I didn't think he would still be the focus of Washington's offense. I would, th- I would have thought they would have brought other people in and it would have cut into his ability, right? right? So you're talking about scoring 40 goals a year for three years or 30 goals for four years. I, I think he can definitely get 40 to 50 each of the next two years. It's that last year when he's 39. What's the team look like? But if you, sell, if you ask me, what are you going to bet on it? I'd say I would say he's 60-40 that he's going to make it. Um. I hope he does. I really like Ovechkin. Um, I think that, you know, for a long time, people viewed him as a one-dimensional. He, this is all he does, right? But, you know, you know, is he a great passer? No, he's not terrible. But does he do a lot of other things in the game? Is he physical? Yes, he's physical. He does a lot of other things, right? I think we have a maybe somewhat understandable trepidation about thinking that Russian guys are going to stick in the league for a long time. And, you know, a lot of Russian players have either left or they've kind of hopped around from team to team. And I think people for a long time thought, you know, Ovi may just call it and go home. Right. He's not that guy. 
I think he's, and I think he's locked in now. And I think he will work his butt off just like pools. He's going to work his butt off to get to where he wants to go. And then that'll be good enough for him. Right. I wish Yager would have stayed in the league the whole time, not left and done his thing. I think his numbers would have reflected it, but that's fine because that's who Yager's personality is. What I like about OV, one team, his whole career, I want yeah. to stay there, retire there. I think it's a good look. Uh, I saw him live in a uh, interview uh, talk show and really cool dude to watch and very personable. I think he's great for the game. I would love to see it. And I don't. I think Gretzky, you know what? I think he reflects on it, and I, I think he'd be okay with it. I think yeah. knowing is, is the record could go and saying, you know what? I think you're a good guy for it. So I think that's a nice uh, kind of send-off. Obviously, if Lemieux could have stayed healthy, it would have been Lemieux, but that's yeah. not how it works. So it's amazing, you know, how many factors people have to think about this. Number of years, injuries, teammates, luck. There's a lot that goes into this stuff. You know, think about the Ripken streak. Think about what goes into sports. Look at what Brady's doing. It's unimaginable considering how long the average NFL player lasts in football, which is very slim, seeing what he's doing now, Tom Brady. Then think about Ovechkin. I just think it's good for the game in general. It's good to grow the game. We're talking about it. And it's time to create new all-time leaders. So and, and, talk, and, and also talking about differences that you have to factor in. Also remember the fact that Gretzky played in an era where lots of guys were scoring 40, 50, 60, 70 goals, right? There were lots of guys out there putting the puck in the net, a bunch, right? Ovechkin has played in an era where 35 or 40 goals some years was the Rocket Richard trophy, right? It was tough to get 40 goals. So for him to do it as consistently as he has for as long as he has, to be able to get even close to Gretzky, it's a pretty big difference I, to me in terms of eras, right? I, I, I don't know. I would have to, it would almost be like, uh, what is the, the stat adjusted pitching, right? Where you yes. can look at pitchers against eras, you know, God forbid me take anything away from Bob Gibson. Right. But that year where he had the 1.12 ERA in 1968, where the mound was eight feet tall, you know, and he was throwing downhill at everybody. I mean, everybody was good that year. They weren't Bob Gibson good, but everybody was better than they should have been, right? If you put Bob Gibson in the era now, you know, the chances that he throws to a two ERA are almost none, right? If you put Ovi in that sort of 80s environment, how many goals would he have had in the 80s alone? He might have scored 650 in 10 years. You right? think about so, yeah, you think about that era, the 80s, early 90s in the NHL. You had a 3.3 goals against as a goalie. You're making the all-star team. You have a 3.3 now. You're out of the league. Yeah. Look, well, go back and look at any of the footage. I was watching and I watched a documentary on the World Hockey Association yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was it's an interesting story. And but you're watching the footage, and the goalies are five foot ten and a buck seventy-five, and they're wearing the equivalent of egg cartons on the front of their legs instead of couches, right? Yeah, I guess the puck's going to go in more then. So I, I really, I don't know the number. I should have looked it up before I came on. But sort of that, uh, let's look at how many goals per game were being scored versus how many are being scored on average for his career. Even Lemieux. By the time Lemieux got into the league and got to be a big star and was healthy and everything else, the league had shifted back and it wasn't quite so offensive. There was a lot more clutching and grabbing. There was a lot more you know, flat out hitting and stuff like that. It was a lot more contact. I still think if, if Lemieux had been healthy his whole career, 
I don't know if he'd been a better player than Bobby Orr, but he would be a better player than Wayne Gretzky. You remember goons and enforcers? That was a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All those guys think about the fact that, you know, I talk, I tell people you talk about Gretzky, right? Gretzky had Semenko from day one. Boom. Semenko's there to cover him. And they had a couple other guys like that too. They weren't rockheads. Semenko was a pretty good player, right? Lemieux had nobody because he was huge and they thought, Oh, he can take care of himself. And he got the crap beat out of him for like three years until they finally went out and got a couple of guys, Rob Brown, guys who could protect him a little bit, right? Yes. But for three years, he just got destroyed in every game. And if think about how much better even those three years would have been if he had somebody else, if he had Dave Semenko or if he had Bob Probert or somebody like that, somebody to watch his back, right? But it wasn't. It was it – was, it was Mario Lemieux and 15 other guys who may or may not have been players in the league on any other team because they had tanked so badly to get him. There's a great documentary about that, about how the guy who ran the team that year will not admit that they tanked to get the number one overall pick. And everybody else is like, yeah, we tanked. Like, look at the guys that we had on the roster at that time who never played in the NHL again anywhere else. We tanked. You mean like when Cleveland drafted LeBron and Pittsburgh drafted uh, Sidney Crosby and the ping pong ball was taped to the guy's <laughs> hand? Come on. Come on. We you were all knew that was going to happen. You were talking about 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 Ovechkin finishing his career with the Washington Capitals. And I hopefully I hope that happens. I hope it's not a Marty Brodeur to the Blues situation. Right. <laughs> but. And Brodeur did that because he thought he was going to get a big spot in management, right? And it didn't end up, end up working out, I don't think. But how crazy would it be if the Penguins traded to get Ovechkin at the end of his career and you put O.V. Crosby and Malkin together on a line for a year? That would be insane. Think about how much fun that would be. That's called an all-star team. And uh, and I you wouldn't have anybody else on your team. It would just don't be those need three guys, else. right? Don't need anybody else. I hope he stays with the Capitals. I hope so. Wayne, I got to tell you, man, we're out of time. This has been an ultra pleasure, man. I think you have forgotten more about sports than most people will ever know. And every time we talk, we dig into a new layer. I, I just learn more and more about you, man. And uh, I, there's a reason why we're friends, and it's a common love of sports for sure. Well, 100%. Anytime uh, I can uh, jump in and you need a guest, you're welcome to give me a holler. Um, also, anybody who's out watching and you have questions about collectibles or anything like that, you can reach us at DougLaurieSports.com. DougLaurieSport with no S on Twitter because it couldn't fit it all in there. DougLaurieSports on Instagram. Feel free to reach out if you've got questions. Um, and other than that, I'm sad we didn't get to talk about Jake Paul. We had that on our list. And we're going to have to wait for Jake Paul. Jake Paul is a no, whole other discussion. No, trust me. Trust me. We can skip Jake Paul. I don't have a problem with that. I think life pretty much has at this point. So, <laughs> But I will be putting your Instagram handle so people will be able to reach you. And I encourage people, any sports conversation, if there's a fact that you can remember something, reach out to Wayne. He probably knows it. And anything in the memorabilia world, as far as you're looking to buy, sell, trade, this is your guy. This guy eats, breathes, and sleeps sports memorabilia. So contact Wayne for your sports memorabilia needs and have a lot of fun checking out his Instagram and his website. Wayne, on, honestly, an ultra pleasure. And definitely want to have you back for more sports talk as far as, because look, sports is a part of life. And if you're, it's definitely part of the chosen life as far as I'm concerned.
100%. Hopefully we'll get you up here at the store at the Kozlov Center in Barrie before too long. And uh, as well, uh, Santino, appreciate, uh, we just missed him. So Santino Morella, WWE superstar, was at the store for signing. And uh, please, if we can get him onto the show here, we'd love to have him because I want to start, I want to take some classes and uh, learn to become a professional wrestler. I want to fulfill one of my dreams, Wayne. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit about that. And he also, we're going to, Anthony and I are going to work together, hopefully in the future. Like he was telling me he has an event coming up with Chris Masters, Damian Sandow and the Bollywood Boys. And hopefully that one's going to be too quick for me to be able to do anything. But hopefully if we can hook the two of you up, then he might be a conduit for you to be able to talk to these guys too, right? So there's nothing better than talking to wrestlers, man. Because wrestlers have the best friggin' stories ever. As much as you want to talk about baseball or uh, hockey, guys are good. But wrestlers have been everywhere and done everything. And they don't, they'll talk about it, right? Once they're out of the business or they're on the downside of the career, hey, let's talk about it, baby. Let's shoot. All I got to tell you, Wayne, I know you, you know, I have the show with Buff Bagwell called The Real Mark Bagwell, a wrestling docuseries. Uh, Every week uh, premieres on Saturdays. And we have his first cousin on as well. And you want crazy stories of wrestling and life? Buff Bagwell, it doesn't get better than that. When he brought up his story about brake lighting as a kid, so driving around and somebody does brake lighting on you and you come out of the car and you start shooting your gun up into the air, that's that's real-life wrestling for you. <laughs> Are you where, did, and, where, did, where did Buff grow up? Buff grew up in Marietta, Georgia. Oh, okay. Well, that's all you have to say. That's right. No, no need to say more. <laughs> and he's just talking about brake lighting. And, uh, you know, just crazy stories seem to follow the guy. And it's just yep. amazing. And that's what I was saying. It's the real Mark Bagwell. You think, you know, it's buff with the top hat, but that really is Mark. Like the dude <laughs> that, that has followed him his whole career. So, uh, so many interviews. And we said, let's do a, a series out of this. And so you're right, man. It, if you want to talk about crazy life stories, it doesn't get better than professional wrestling. 100%. Well, we'll talk soon, Wayne. And as we sign off, uh, we bring out the guns. I don't. Got to. I have a little pea shooter there. That's about it. And we say keep living the chosen life. 100%. Thanks, Wade.